You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The word is about There's something evolving Whatever may come The world keeps revolving They say the next big thing is here That the revolution's near But to me it seems quite clear That it's all just a little bit of history repeating Welcome back to my week off I'm Nicole Sandler. My eye surgery was yesterday and progressing well. Everything seems to be going according to plan. So today is Tuesday, March 21st. And as far as we can tell, Donald Trump isn't getting arrested today. Why did anyone think it was happening today? Because he said it was happening today. Don't you know? Come on. He lies. It's all bullshit. So if and when Donald Trump is indicted and arrested... If it's this week, I'll come back with the live show. If not, you get to enjoy these programs I'm taking the time to put together for you. And I promise they're worth the effort, both for me to produce and for you to listen. So yesterday, we noted it was the 20th anniversary of the U.S. invasion into Iraq. 20 years. It was 2003. Well, today, we go back 10 years. Do you remember what happened 10 years ago today? I'll refresh your memory with a recent story. The end of which that relates, really, the end of the story that came to a head 10 years ago today when ACORN was shut down for good. Do you remember ACORN? ACORN was an acronym for the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now. It was an international collection of autonomous community-based organizations that advocated for low and moderate income families by working. The association ACORN was founded in 1970 by Wade Rathke and Gary Delgado. And at its peak here in the U.S. had over 500,000 members and more than 1,200 neighborhood chapters in more than 100 cities. All right, I'm cheating a little bit here because I'm going to read you this quick history of what happened with ACORN from Wikipedia, just because it's in its simplest form. And really, this is just to refresh your memory. Stay tuned for the interview that'll follow. All right. So here in the United States, ACORN (laughs) suffered a damaging nationwide controversy in the fall of 2009 after this twerp named James O'Keefe and a friend of his, Hannah Giles, secretly recorded and then released videos of interactions with low-level ACORN personnel shot in a few of their 
offices. Now, in these videos, James O'Keefe poses as a pimp who says he's wanting to start a brothel with underage immigrant girls from Central America. Yeah, really believable, right? ACORN personnel attempt, according to what we see in the video, the doctored video that he released, attempted to help him with housing his brothel. Multiple investigations were conducted and found that the release tapes were selectively edited, go figure, to portray ACORN as negatively as possible. And it found James O'Keefe's recordings violated privacy laws in Maryland and California. Well, ACORN conducted its own audits and cooperated with investigations of employees and even referred some cases to law enforcement. But not one of those cases were forwarded to a judge. In the meantime, however, ACORN suffered an immediate loss of funding from government agencies with which it had contracts and from private donors. The damage was done. It was all nonsense. It was all a fabrication. But the loss of funds had been too damaging. And by March of 2010, 15 of ACORN's 30 state chapters had already closed. And then, 10 years ago today, ACORN announced it was closing its remaining state chapters and disbanding. This is sickening. And what we've learned since makes it even more vomit-inducing. Because James O'Keefe and his Project Veritas just kept growing off the strength of its lies. But the truth was getting out in some circles anyway. Three years later, in 2013, The Guardian pulled the curtain back from around the acorn story. The headline reads, James O'Keefe agrees to pay $100,000 settlement to fired acorn employee. Self-styled entrapment journalist James O'Keefe has agreed to pay $100,000 to settle a lawsuit with a former employee of a social welfare agency who accused O'Keefe of misrepresenting him in a widely distributed video. Juan Carlos Vera, who worked for the now-defunct Association of Community Organizations for Reform now, ACORN, filed a federal lawsuit two years ago accusing O'Keefe of portraying him in a false light and filming him without his knowledge. Vera sued over a video O'Keefe secretly shot of him inside the National City, California offices of ACORN. In the video, Vera appears to give O'Keefe and an accomplice, Hannah Giles, advice on setting up a prostitution ring. What O'Keefe's video didn't show was that Vera contacted police after the meeting. The settlement, first reported by Wonkett, states that, quote, Mr. O'Keefe regrets any pain suffered by Mr. Vera or his family. It notes that the payment is, quote, in no way representative of any actual or implied admissions of liability. Of course it does. The article goes on to say, O'Keefe's activism against ACORN led to a national controversy, the withdrawal of funding, and ultimately the organization's demise. So even though three years after ACORN was dissolved, the truth came out, Project Veritas was still able to keep pulling these scams until last month. Let's bring you up to date. James O'Keefe has been fired. (laughs) That's right. Fired. Oh, there's more still out there. But this is the beginning of the end. The headline in the New York Times, February 20th, 2023 reads, James O'Keefe leaves his post as the leader of Project Veritas. Mr. O'Keefe had been the face of the group of conservative provocateurs since he founded Project Veritas in his father's garage in suburban New York in 2010. James O'Keefe, who was a leader of the conservative group Project Veritas, used theatrical stunts, undercover stings, and other deceptive tactics in efforts to inflict embarrassment and charges of hypocrisy and wrongdoing on perceived liberal enemies in politics and the media, has left his post. Aww. 
His departure came amid an uproar among the group's staff about his leadership style, his treatment of subordinates, and his use of the group's funds for high-priced expenses, like flights on a private plane. It also came in the midst of an ongoing Justice Department investigation into how Project Veritas acquired a diary kept by Ashley Biden, President Biden's daughter, before the 2020 election. Mr. O'Keefe's home was searched by FBI agents with a warrant in the fall of 2021 as part of the investigation. Project Veritas board put Mr. O'Keefe on paid leave earlier this month. And then the article shares a quote, quote, I currently have no job at Project Veritas. I have no position here based upon what the board has done. So I'm announcing to you all that today on President's Day, I'm packing up my personal belongings here. Mr. O'Keefe said in a video address to the group from its headquarters in Mamaroneck, New York. What a shame. Or not. So today we go back to, I guess, where it all began. Really, we hadn't heard of Project Veritas before this nonsense that they pulled with Acorn. So the segment that I bring to you now is from my show from March 23rd, 2010. And my guest was Brad Friedman. One of the guys who did the best job covering the targeting of ACORN and uh, and what happened to them leading to the announcement yesterday that ACORN was going to be closing its operations is Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. And, uh, and uh, I invited Brad on the show. I sent him an email last night and just wrote to him and said, I am so angry about the news that ACORN is, is closing their operations and how they were targeted and taken down. And I, and I asked uh, Brad to join me on the show tonight. And there he is on the line with us, Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. Hey, Brad. Hey, Nicole. How are you? I'm okay. It's sort of, it's sort of a bittersweet day today because while we're celebrating the fact that we've made major progress in, in, in the battle towards healthcare reform, the war isn't won yet by any means, but we did take a major first step with the signing of this bill today. I'm also really, really upset about the news about ACORN. Yeah, good. You should be. And uh, frankly, everyone listening to you right now should be. And I wish more people had been angrier for the past you know, months and, and maybe even years that, the, uh, that this group has been under, under attack by the right wing. This is a, you know, a four-decade-old community uh, organization that has done tremendous work for uh, really the lowest rung, if you will, in our society, 400,000 member families, 75 cities, uh, you know, helping uh, folks, uh, first-time home buyers, helping to fight off uh, predatory lending practices, uh, helping Katrina, Hurricane Katrina survivors, and, of course, the reason they were targeted, the only reason they were targeted by this right-wing hit squad was because of their work registering uh, low- and middle-income voters to legally participate in their democracy. And, and that's exactly and right, because those low- and income uh, members of society tend to vote uh, on the Democratic's ticket. They, they vote for Democrats, and that's why the right targeted them. That is the only reason ACORN was vilified. And I'll tell yep. you, I mean, I knew of ACORN for years and never really thought of them as a political group. I always knew they helped poor people, and they, and they were out there doing voter registration. <clears throat> and before I was politically involved, I just thought, cool, good, you know, we need more groups like this. And and a few years ago, when I saw the the anti-acorn rhetoric stepping up, 
I thought, well, where is this coming from? They're such a good organization. I, I, I guess I was politically naive, and I just didn't get it. No, you, you did get it. They're, you know, they're not a political organization. I mean, they do actually, they are political activists on certain issues. For example, uh, they have for years been trying to uh, uh, get both Democrats and Republicans alike to do something about these predatory lending practices. But, you know, this notion that they are uh, in Barack Obama's back pocket, uh, hard to say they're in his back pocket given that Barack Obama signed uh, unconstitutional legislation defunding the organization, uh, you know, that really ended up wiping this uh, organization out after these uh, hoax videos came out. You know, they do good work. They are George Bush Sr.'s thousand points of light, frankly. And the Republican uh, Party has just wiped them off the map uh, because, well, Damn it, they have too many, uh, they help uh, too many Democrats to cast a vote in their democracy. That's what this is all about. And if you are angry, good for you. If you're not angry, you need to take a look at yourself and wonder why you're not. Because right. the fact is, uh, you know, we expect the uh, right wing uh, hit squad out there, the uh, James O'Keefe, the Andy Breitbarts, you know, who put together this uh, hit job on Acorn, we expect them to be bad guys. We know they're evil, uh, but we expect the media the corporate mainstream media like the New York Times to stop the bad guys from plying their trade. And in this case, not only did they not stop them, they enabled them. They enabled them by misreporting the story over and over and over. And I have been, as you know, Nicole, on a rampage for the last several months to get the New York Times to correct their misreporting on this. They finally, just last night, issued a tepid uh, correction to one aspect of their story, uh, you know, one, one of the big aspects here is that uh, James O'Keefe went in with in these uh, uh, hit videos, secret uh, videos that were highly edited, heavily overdubbed. He went in dressed as this '70s era pimp. Well, he never did that, right? And yet, the New York Times reported it over and over and over. They have finally now corrected, as of last night, corrected four different instances where they reported that story that way, as recently as this past Saturday incredibly enough, particularly since I've been, you know, talking to the public editor there, the senior editor for standards, telling them that they were wrong in no uncertain terms for the past two months. And they went ahead and they did it anyway. And it's not just the Times, obviously, it's all scores of other media organizations. But, you know, in the end, I think who I may be most furious with is our fellow progressives, liberals, Democrats who sat by, who watched this, who expected, you know, who either stayed quiet or expected somebody else to do something about it. Here's the news flash, Nicole. Nobody is going to do anything about anything unless you stand up, unless you rise up, and unless you raise hell. And I want to thank you, Nicole, because you have been on this story. You have, have had me back throughout this process time and again to talk about this. Well, but I, a lot I of our, uh, because this you know, is heartbreaking in the blogosphere and on the radio have not touched this. And it's maddening. It, it is maddening. No, I've had Bertha Lewis on my show and I hope to have her on again <laughs> sometime yeah. before the end of the week. Um, um, and the fact and you're right, too many of our colleagues who do what we do here have ignored this story when they should have been speaking up throughout this whole pimp gate or whatever you want to call it. I mean, Here's something that was so maddening to me. And again, I, I, you know, MSNBC is not the the left's answer to Fox. You know, they have a few primetime sort of <laughs> liberal slanted shows, 
but they've got the, the right-wing tool Joe Scarborough on in the morning and his puppet sidekick Mika Brzezinski, who this morning, this morning said, uh, you know, was talking about Acorn closing down and said, oh, and they, they, when they were, you know, the, the videos of the, the, the pimp and the hooker who went into, I mean, still, still using that, the, the, the erroneous storyline. Completely erroneous. And even the New York Times, they apologized for saying he was dressed like a pimp, but that he still posed as a pimp. Well, no, he didn't. And if you bother to read the text transcripts from these videos, and mind you, these are text transcripts that were released by uh, James O'Keefe and Andrew Breitbart themselves. They are unauthenticated because they refused to release the raw video. So we don't even know if these text transcripts are legitimate. But if you read what even they put out, you see that in every single ACORN office, these guys, uh, this James O'Keefe misrepresented himself. He said he was the boyfriend to this prostitute and that he was trying to help her escape from an abusive pimp who had tried to, uh, st- who was stalking her, who had threatened to kill her. And they, what they did was they preyed upon, uh, you know, the good nature of these uh, workers who, you know, were trying to help this girl out. He never posed as a pimp. It's BS. And, you know, the, the mainstream media got this story wrong from the jump, and for them to put out a tepid uh, correction the way they did with no apology, no retraction, no explanation for why they made the mistake, the bottom line, Nicole, they are going to make the same mistake again and again and again, and you're going to see these same hit jobs uh, like what you saw, you know, the, the Clinton impeach, uh, impeachment, the uh, elections 2003 and 2004, uh, WMB in Iraq, the Dan Rather hit job, now the Acorn hit job, the Van Jones hit job. You're going to see these time and yep. again until the media is held accountable for this stuff, and again, they're not going to hold themselves accountable. It is up to the people. It is up to the people who are listening here. Now, last night in my article uh, detailing this uh, this lousy, pathetic correction that the New York Times put out, I included the email addresses of the managing editor and the executive editor of the New York Times. It, if you're ticked off about this, if, you, you know, if, if you've seen these right-wing hoaxes happening again and again and you want them to stop, now is the time to take action. I've given you the email addresses. Get in there. Write these people a note. It'll take you 60 seconds. Be polite, but raise hell and tell them you expect them to do their duty responsibly and to make a proper correction and explain to us how the hell they could be complicit in putting out of business a four-decade-old community organization that helps hundreds and thousands of poor people. It's outrageous. It is outrageous. So you go to bradblog.com, and you can find all the information there. But let's talk about, uh, on Sunday, uh, Clark Hoyt, who's this guy. I mean, you first, you you emailed me. It was one day, uh, I think during the snowstorms, I was filling in for Randy Rhodes. And and you had emailed me about the back-and-forth exchange with this guy who just would not, you had the proof that finally the proof that these videos were doctored, that O'Keefe was never dressed in the pimp costume when he went into the offices and, and that the videos were hev- heavily edited yeah. and doctored to, to make it appear that he did. And, and you're, 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 you're showing the back-and-forth communications with this guy, Clark Hoyt, who was just uh, just denying that, that he did anything wrong. So. Yeah. It, it, which was just incredulous. I mean, so so in the in the Times this Sunday, 
He actually wrote, the Times was wrong, and I have been wrong in defending the paper's phrasing. Um, but but there, so so, how far did they go? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. Again, again, this is a guy who, back in September of last year, he put out a column chiding the paper because they took quote nearly a week before they reported on these phony videos. So you know, he jumped right in to chide the paper when they weren't quick enough to report the hoax. But in this case, it took me a full two months of badgering this guy, of showing him that the paper was wrong, that he was wrong. You know, mind you, apparently there is no standard for the New York Times to have to prove that they are right when they report something. But we have to jump through hoops to prove that they are wrong. I mean, he would just not recommend a correction. He kept saying, you know, I, I, I'm still not completely convinced that uh, we were wrong. Therefore, you know, no correction. And this went on and on and on. And I got, uh, you know, we saw the uh, the woman who who played the uh, the, the prostitute, Hannah Giles. Mm-hmm. She came on on video and said, no, in fact, he never dressed as a pimp. That was all done as a B-roll. It was done later. It was added on. He admitted it. Uh, we got an interview with Andrew Breitbart where he admitted it, now says he was duped by this kid. I'm not sure if he was duped or not. I do know that he lied in his Washington Times column about this entire thing. And Andrew Breitbart, he's a right-winger who uh, who published these videos on his website, used them to launch his uh, new big government website. So he lied about it. But you know, when called on it, he came clean. Why couldn't the New York Times? Why did I have to go to the extremes that I did to prove to them that they were wrong when they never bothered to prove that they were right? As a matter of fact, the first time they were called on it by one of my readers who had who had you know read my uh, coverage of what had actually happened in these offices or didn't happen. The first uh, excuse we got back from the New York Times was, well, James O'Keefe went on a Fox News show dressed as that pimp, said that's what he was wearing, and, quote, we believe him. They never had any proof. They went with what Fox News told them, and a guy who is now an accused felon for attempting to manipulate the phones of a U.S. senator uh, down there in uh, in, uh, Louisiana, Louisiana, Mary Landrieu, they took his word rather than, uh, you know, the the obvious evidence, if you look at the tapes, you can see it, or if you look at the report from the former Massachusetts Attorney General, Scott Harshbarger, who said back in December, December 7th, 2009, uh, he did a report, he looked at all these tapes, he interviewed uh, these people and so forth, and came out and said that James O'Keefe never wore his pimp outfit into any of the offices. Well, the New York Times never reported on Scott Harshbarger's report, I'd spoken to folks at Acorn. There was a, uh, a press conference, a telephonic uh, press conference, the day that report was released. New York Times was invited. New York Times did not show up. And New York Times never mentioned the Harshbarger report until Sunday in, uh, in another report that they ran in the paper that once again got the story wrong. It's just you know we, we right. have right, but let me but but yeah. let me point out something. So they did yeah. this on Sunday. Yeah. However, on Saturday, uh, Acorn CEO Bertha Lewis released this statement that I will read for mm-hmm. you now. For 40 years, Acorn has been committed to fighting for its members and improving the lives of the most vulnerable Americans. The Acorn Association Board is meeting by phone this weekend. Uh, will be making some very tough decisions about the future of their organization. 
ACORN has faced a series of well-orchestrated, relentless, well-funded right-wing attacks that are unprecedented since the McCarthy era. Our effective work empowering African-American and low-income voters made us a target. The videos were a manufactured, sensational story that led to rush to judgment and an unconstitutional act by Congress. For ACORN as a national organization, our vindication on the facts doesn't necessarily pay the bills. I know that ACORN's dedicated community members will continue to speak out for justice and organize in their communities. That was followed by an organizational statement released yesterday that said the ACORN Association Board met on Sunday, March 21st, and approved a set of steps to responsibly manage the process of bringing its operations to a close over the coming months. These include closing ACORN's remaining state affiliate and field offices by April 1st and developing a plan to resolve all outstanding debts, obligations, and other issues. ACORN's members have a great deal to be proud of, from promoting to uh, from promoting homeownership to helping rebuild New Orleans, from raising wages to winning safer streets, from training community leaders to promoting voter participation. ACORN members have worked hard to create stronger uh, communities, a more inclusive democracy, and a more just nation. So where's the justice in this organization being driven out of existence? Uh, and, and great, the New York Times, finally, the day they announced they're shutting their doors, finally right. saying, uh, yeah, you know, the videos were doctored. And they, they, that yeah. night, the day that they announced they were shutting down for good, that night, New York Times issues a correction to the story that helps put them out of business. Unbelievable. And uh, all right, so let's talk. Uh, Brad Friedman yeah. of bradblog.org.com is with us. Um, who did cover the story? Uh, you were all over it. I dealt with it in my own way. Um, yeah. There's supposedly this great liberal media, which which is a bit the biggest myth of all. Um, who else? Who else covered it? Eric Bullert at Media Matters jumped in very early and uh, was was instrumental in forwarding, uh, advancing the story. Uh, on some very key points, uh, did some great research looking back at <clears throat> who all, uh, who else had uh, misreported the story other than the New York Times and finding instances throughout LexisNexis and so forth where New York Times had misreported this, uh, where Hannah Giles had gone on Fox News and just out and out lied uh, about what was on those uh, videotapes. Uh, Eric Bullard at Media Matters and some of the other folks there, Jameson Foser, uh-huh. uh, also did some good work on this. Um, that's about it. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, and, and, and you, certainly, you had me on. Uh, Scott Dick, a radio host out of uh, 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 California, had me on. Now, I know Mike, um, Mike Malloy, you, you guest host his show a lot. Has yeah. he dealt with this? Uh, you know, I haven't gotten to listen to him because in Los Angeles they uh, preempt him all the uh. time. I have been on the air, however, to talk about this with him. Okay. So I suspect he covered it because he's pretty good at actually right. covering this. Right. Uh, but... Boy, not much else. Now, I will tell you that uh, FAIR, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, finally jumped into this thing and uh, and covered it, and it seems to be that it was FAIR's coverage. Uh, they're a media watchdog. They've been around since the uh, 80s. Uh, they absolutely slammed uh, New York Times and Clark Hoyt, and it seems to have been the catalyst that uh, finally led Hoyt to admit that uh, he was wrong and that the Times were wrong. So I'm glad that they were there. Uh, there have been some folks on the Internet that I do want to recognize. Uh, Marcy Wheeler at Empty Wheel covered this. Uh-huh. Brad DeLong 
uh, early on called for Hoyt to step down happily. Um, uh, Simon, uh, shoot, I'm forgetting his last name, but over at Blogasm actually has a great article today on how the progressive blogosphere uh, brought an apology from, not an apology, a correction from the New York Times. Uh, so there have been a uh, Digby over at uh, uh, Hullabaloo. Hullabaloo, right? Uh, she course. jumped in. Dave Johnson at uh, Saving the or Seeing the Forest. He jumped in. Okay, now what ab- what about our our pals? You know, Rachel Maddow and Keith Olbermann. Nothing. It, really? That's Not so surprising. Not a word. And you know, Rachel had actually been very very good on this for a while. Uh, a few months ago, she did a a series over three or four nights just absolutely slamming the right-wing campaign against ACORN. Right. Uh, and, and it was great. Uh, you know, a few months, uh, maybe even a few years late, I don't know. But, you know, I, it, she did it, and they were terrific, tremendous reports uh, slamming this years-long hit job against ACORN. Uh, you know, and the fact that, you know, there is no voter fraud. There is not evidence of a single voter who was ever improperly registered by ACORN That's right. casting a fraudulent vote. Not yep. ever, not once, not never. And so she did a great job there. Uh, no, she did not show up uh, to call the New York Times out, to my knowledge. Keith Olbermann did not show up to call the New York Times out, to my knowledge. Uh, Ed Schultz, MSNBC, you know, you, you said, no, they're not uh, the Fox News of the left. And then you, you know, mentioned their three hours with uh, Joe Scarborough in the morning. They're not the Fox News of the left even at night when you do have, you know, progressive folks like Olbermann, uh, Rachel, Schultz, and so forth. That's an unfair comparison as well. No, because, because what they report the truth for the most they, part. Exactly. It, it, that's they the difference. don't lie. Right. They don't make stuff up. You might not uh, like what they report. You might be a, a right winger and you might not want to hear these things. But, you know, these are not, you know, phony campaigns such no, as you see over they, at Fox News. They, they are real reporters and they, yeah. and they bring you real news. They may, be, you know, be slanted in their coverage toward more progressive issues but they are not fox news by any stretch of the imagination because they don't lie but then again in the morning i mean i hear the, the this this right-wing mouthpiece joe scarborough and it and it and it drives me nuts somebody in the chat room is asking what about amy goodman uh amy goodman finally covered the issue um i think just last week after the uh federal judge had uh, announced that the legislation against acorn was an unconstitutional bill detained her and overturned that legislation signed by almost all the Democrats, voted for by almost all the Democrats and signed by uh, Barack Obama. So she covered it when they overturned it. Uh, and uh, I should give credit to John Atlas was on there. He's got a book about ACORN that is just out. He's also the national, uh, the president of the National Housing Institute. Huh. And he kept trying to tell Amy this story. And he kept trying to tell her how uh, the New York Times had incredibly misreported this story they were more interested it seemed in talking about the uh about the court case and so forth uh but i will give her credit for having john atlas on there and you know allowing him to uh, try at least to talk about what had happened here but no they have not they've, they've got my number i've been on democracy now before they haven't called me either so i can't explain it maybe you can uh, maybe people are tired of this story. Maybe they, you know, it, it's too complicated. They don't know what to believe anymore. 
Uh, I think that's probably a, a good part of it because. But Brad, let me yeah. just interrupt you for a second yeah. here because let's let's turn let's just let's go into opposite land for a second. But I I always say the Republicans seem to be in opposite land because they 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 everything they say it's if if you if you give the reverse that seems to be what's true. Let's right. say that that for some reason. Uh, some some you know poor misguided liberal decided to um, pull a hoax on. I'm trying to think of a of a of a right wing group, but there aren't any that do any good. That's that <laughs> that I can come up with. But if the if the if the tables were turned and yeah. and it was some liberal who who did something against a a um uh, the Cato Institute or you know pulled some kind of prank that that was taking down a, 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 a group that was trying to do good for people. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, this would be national news. And, and if they were caught in their own scam where, you know, where we found out the guy wasn't dressed as a pimp, yet they doctored the video, it would be all over the front pages. And this was, was barely ever covered. And the fact that the paper of record, the New York Times, which is held up by the right as this liberal bastion, um, wouldn't go so far as to, to 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 fix the story and to point out their errors. It 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 is mind-boggling. Well, you know, it, it, it's such a story as that would never have actually seen the pages of any newspaper, I suspect, because the New York Times and all the rest would have looked at it and said, "Well, wait a minute, this guy is a prankster. This guy is a known hoaxer. This guy right. won't release the actual videos." We can't just run with what he says in these edited videos. You know, we've got to see actual documentation for what happened here. They would never even run the story. Now, if they did make the mistake and run such a story and then find out that the guy was a fraud, that the guy had lied about it, you bet it would be front page news. They would be plastering this guy everywhere. He would, you know, uh, he, he would be poison. He would be toxic. He would become a joke. He would be, you know, balloon boy of the left. Yeah. But. The fact of the matter is, you know, that, that, that's perfect. He would have been balloon boy. And and sure. so and, and the fact that this O'Keefe guy wasn't, you know, exposed as the balloon boy and 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 made as much noise, because when when these videos first broke, they were everywhere. Not and when, when the not... hoax was exposed, yeah. you, you didn't see a blip of it anywhere. No, exactly. And, and not only has it not been exposed, not only has O'Keefe not been made into balloon boy, and he should, and uh, Andrew Breitbart made into, you know, balloon boy and just an anathema for the hoaxes that they pulled. Yeah, the data balloon boy. They're still regarded as heroes, as folk heroes. And we see these puff pieces all the time saying, well, you know, he may have uh, been arrested down there in Louisiana, but gosh, this merry prankster sure has it out for the folks on the left, and uh, he's what a great hero he is to the right. And incredibly, Andrew Breitbart, who is absolutely psychotic, yes. if you take a look at any of his videos, <laughs> oh, yeah. he showed up in, at, the, uh, at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, a couple weeks back to receive his award for accuracy in media. I, I mean, it is just incredible, and I suspect that you know they can't wait for O'Keefe to uh, be, uh, to you know, to, to plead or, or to be cleared or to plea on these charges, these federal felony charges down there in Louisiana, so that CNN can hire him on as an analyst. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Now that was my next question. Uh, yeah. Brad Friedman, a Brad blog with us. What is the status of? I mean, this guy broke into Mary Landro's office, the office of a U.S. senator, and whatever he was doing, he was screwing around with her phones. 
Uh, well, he, he he didn't break in. What he did was he went into the lobby, and two of his buddies came in dressed as telephone repairmen and said, oh, we're here to check a problem on the lines. And what they did was they got access first to the uh, to the main telephone, I, I suppose, at the uh, receptionist desk, and then they asked for access to the telephone closet, the main you know, uh, circuit room for the telephone system there. And that's when folks got suspicious, called them, uh, called the police, and uh, he, O'Keefe, and his two you know, telephone buddies dressed like the village people, and a fourth guy who was out with a listening device outside in the car, that's when the four of them got arrested uh, for this felony. One of those guys, by the way, was the son of the acting U.S. attorney in Louisiana, uh, and that case is still pending. You're right. It sure has gone quiet, hasn't it? Yes, it has. And, you know, I've got people, <laughs> I, I use Tom Hartman's chat room as yeah. well as my Ustream chat room, and they're saying, so what's O'Keefe's shield, the CIA? I mean, it certainly sounds like he's got some high-powered people on his side. Again, let's let's turn it the other way. If this was somebody who, and I'm sorry, they posed as telephone workers to gain access to the phone system of the office of a U.S. senator, to me, that's breaking in. And Mm -hmm. if if somebody had done that to a Republican senator, especially, say, when George W. Bush was president, they'd still be locked up in probably some gulag somewhere, and we wouldn't know where they were. Yeah, they they would be down in Gitmo, wouldn't they? Yeah. Now, (laughs) so, well, what seems to be going on here? is that uh, O'Keefe has hired a high-powered attorney to come out and argue, oh, he's just a kid. Well, somehow this kid has access to one of the top attorneys in the GOP, ironically enough, a Watergate-era attorney, Howard Howard Baker's attorney from from the Watergate committee back uh, in the Senate. So he's got access to a superstar GOP attorney, and what they're trying to do from uh, all reports that I can tell is uh, basically, you cut a deal with the U.S. Attorney's Office. Now, remember, one of the perps arrested here is the son of the acting U.S. Attorney. So how do you think this is going to come out? <laughs> I mean, uh, and you're right, uh, the CIA connection, uh, several of these guys uh, actually did work in some fashion for the intelligence services. Uh, Stan Dye, I believe he was the one who was out in the car with the listening device, uh, was a recruiter on college campuses. Uh, for uh, intelligence services. Uh, another one of them uh, did work for the, uh, I think it was the Defense Department. So, yeah, they certainly have connections there. they got plenty of connections, and they are connections that uh, I suspect would not have done much good, as you say, had it been reversed. It would have ended, you know, these guys would have ended up in Gitmo yeah. uh, as terrorist threats. Uh, you know, had they been Democrats, had they been uh, slightly less than white uh, had they had Arab-sounding uh, names, you could bet your bottom dollar they still would be sitting in jail somewhere, and we wouldn't have heard a word about them. They wouldn't be out parading around accepting awards at CPAC and so forth. No, no, you got that right. So here we are. This guy, Clark yeah. Hoyt, at the New York Times, has there been any um, you know, admonishment of him? Has Have the higher-ups at the New York Times admitted that they screwed up on the coverage of this story? Not to my knowledge. Uh, he has had uh, some fame, however. Tom Tomorrow, the great cartoonist, uh, depicted him as a weasel in a, uh, in a recent strip. I was happy to see that, uh, quoting uh, one of what will be Hoyt's uh, famous quotes here in his email to me. that uh, We said that he dressed as a pimp and trained his secret cameras on acorn workers. We didn't say he did it at the same time. 
That was one of his famous excuses for not issuing a correction. Uh, so, but no, there has been no accountability, no accountability for anybody, no, as far as I knew, no accountability for the senior editor for standards, uh, Greg Brock, who originally cited uh, Fox News as uh, his reason that no correction was needed. Uh, but again, I'm going to ask folks, let me give you uh, the email addresses. These are public email addresses. Uh -huh. But if people are hearing this and they're ticked off, you got to do something about it. You can't just be ticked off. You got to do something about it. The, and, and, you know, we've emailed uh, Clark Hoyt. We've emailed Greg Brock. Uh, it's time to bump it up a notch. And I'm urging people to write to the executive editor of the New York Times, Bill Keller. His email address is executive-editor at nytimes.com. That's executive-editor at nytimes.com. That's Bill Keller. And the managing editor is John Geddes. His email address is managing-editor at nytimes.com. Please contact these people. Uh, and not only that, I know you got folks listening in the, uh, in the Hartman chat room. Mm -hmm. Spread the word. Uh, spread the word on the chat room tomorrow morning uh, when Tom is on. As a matter of fact, I believe Tom was on Russia today because uh, I'm going to be doing their show tomorrow. Oh, well. This is where we're doing this now, Nicole, on Russian TV. They're interested in this story. Good. A American TV? Not so not much. Not so much. Yeah. So Tom was on, uh, I believe, uh, talking about this tonight. Uh, I'll be on tomorrow, but you know, let folks in the chat room know tomorrow morning at Tom's. Let them know out on DU. Let them know at Daily Coast, uh, who has not covered this issue, wow. that they need to take action, and they too need oh. to write to executive-editor at nytimes.com and managing-editor at nytimes.com. You and I, Nicole, cannot do this ourselves. We really need the troops, and again. As you say, if you reverse the situation here, there would be an army of folks on the right yep. burying these people with email at this point, and they would have gotten action long ago. The folks on the, the good guys, the progressives out here, need to start doing the same. You know, and the, the, I mean, at the very least, there should be a major op-ed piece in the New York Times decrying the the end of Acorn. And and how they were targeted by the right with this pimp hoax being the final nail in the coffin that brought them down. And it was a hoax and that The New York Times was by by refusing to to make put make a front page story on the fact that it was such a hoax. You know, they were complicit in it. And, and the fact that we have lost the services of an organization as good as Acorn. Look. There's no one to speak for these poor, disenfranchised people to help them stay in their homes, to get homes, to register them to vote, to show them that they do have a voice in this democracy that is the United States of America. Here's some irony for you. Uh, you talk about you know someone to perform these services. Uh, i got to wonder at this point how many of these services that are no longer being performed by this private organization, you know, one of these uh, thousand points of light, how many of these services are going to now have to be done by the federal government and by the federal taxpayer? The fact of the matter is this was something that either didn't occur to the folks in the GOP or more likely they didn't give a damn because this was never about you know government corruption. This was never about saving the government money. Remember, ACORN received over the past 15 years an average of 3.5 million yeah. with an million M. Yeah, million with an M. 
$3.5 million a year. Yep. Contrast that to Blackwater, uh, you know, who's now uh, their, their top officials are actually facing charges for, uh, for, for hoarding automatic guns, uh, were charged with uh, having murdered 17 people, and have been two different court cases now that are still ongoing where you've got empo- employees of the company charging that Blackwater was running actual prostitution and child prostitution rings out of the green zone in Baghdad and in Afghanistan. Some you know, real-life crimes going on by this organization, by the top-level people in this organization, and Blackwater receives more money in a day than ACORN has received from the federal government in their lifetime. Yeah. It has never been about corruption uh, or you know, trying to save the government money. It was nonsense from the jump. This was about anti-democracy forces, small-D democracy, yep. anti-democracy forces trying to keep people from casting their legal vote in order to win elections. That's all that this was ever about. They know it. Uh, and I'm, I'm sad to say they were successful because our corporate mainstream media and, yes, our progressive media failed to get out there and fight when there was still a fight that made a difference. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. Uh, you can follow the whole story there. I mean, it's all detailed from start to finish, along with all the other great work you do. Um, you know, we we need to we need to stick up for these groups that do you know that that do the work that nobody else will. And and the, the really sad thing is when I, I had uh, um, Bertha Lewis on the show when the whole defund Acorn bill was up, and she she talked about how little money they got from the, the government, and she said, look, even with all this, it's not going to kill us. That we got so little money from the government, but the fact that we're being targeted. Just because we do what we do, uh, you know, I, it, it's like the, the, the small guy being attacked by the, the, all the evil forces out there and nobody coming to their defense. Well, it, in fact, uh, when the federal government defunded them, even though that's now been rescinded, uh, it scared the hell out of a lot of the private funders. And so that's what ended up killing them. They were afraid to give money oh. uh, to this group, and that their, their money just dried up. Let me add one more point. I know you're up against the clock here, but one more point, which is, you know, Nicole, I don't know if you've got a PayPal button over on your site. I but do. If you do, yep. you do? Yeah, I do. Good. I hope your listeners will hit that button. Because, you know, there's a lot of folks that have been willing to give money to, to, to Democrats, uh, you know, to write them hundreds and thousands of dollars of checks uh, and to the big media outlets out there. But until people start supporting the independent progressive media out there, uh, you know, we don't have a chance. You should be on 300 stations, uh, you know, not uh, struggling out there on the Internet. I should, you know, have a staff of 20 here yes, helping me should. out. The yeah. fact is we just don't. We have got to have folks supporting progressive media if we're going to have a chance to uh, to have it out against the big bad guys out there, uh, you know. And and the folks like you who jumped in and uh, covered this thing from the jump need to be rewarded, and people need to cast their vote to say yes, this is the kind, this is what we mean by independent media. Well, thank you, Brad. I appreciate it. And uh, and the same goes for you. I mean, we we do this and we we struggle to get by and. Uh, you know, fight the good fight because uh, we're up against we're up against major forces out there who've shown they can destroy the good guys, and and we we, we need to stick together. 
Yes, ma'am. All right. Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. We will talk again soon, and thank you again for all your hard work. And back at you, Nicole. Take care. You too. Brad Friedman of the Brad Blog. He was my guest on that show May 23rd, 2010. So 13 years and a couple of days ago. That was the day that Barack Obama signed into law the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. Yeah, Obamacare. Perhaps we'll listen to segments from that same show later this week. That night, we also spoke with Congressman Alan Grayson and uh, then Huffington Post's Ryan Grimm about the historic nature of the day. All right, we've only got a few minutes left, so I don't have time to get into another whole interview. So I went back through the archives to find another production piece. This one was from 2020, after two years of the former guy's administration and realizing that it was fascism rising. Well, take where we were then and put it on steroids and you have where we are now. So I thought today was a good day to relive my What's News type production of an essay called The 14 Characteristics of Fascism. So here we go. Feel free to share with your friends. We begin with number one powerful and continuing nationalism. Fascist regimes tend to make constant use of patriotic mottos, slogans, symbols, songs, and other paraphernalia. Flags are seen everywhere, as are flag symbols on clothing and in public displays. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Number two, disdain for the recognition of human rights. Because of fear of enemies and the need for security, the people in fascist regimes are persuaded that human rights can be ignored in certain cases because of need. The people tend to look the other way or even approve of torture, summary executions, assassinations, long incarcerations of prisoners, etc. Mr. President, you told me during one of the debates that you would bring back waterboarding yeah. and a hell of a lot worse. I would words. do what I would do. I want to keep our country safe. I want to keep our country safe. What does that when mean? When they're shooting, when they're chopping off the heads of our people and other people. I have spoken as recently as 24 hours ago with people at the highest level of intelligence and I asked them the question, does torture work? And the answer was yes. Absolutely. Number three, identification of enemies and scapegoats as a unifying cause. Short people got no reason to live. They got little hands, little eyes. To walk around telling great big lies. The people are rallied into a unifying patriotic frenzy over the need to eliminate a perceived common threat or foe. Lock her up. That's right. Racial, ethnic, or religious minorities, liberals, communists, socialists, terrorists. You got the idea? Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Number four, supremacy of the military. Even when there are widespread domestic problems, the military is given a disproportionate amount of government funding and the domestic agenda is neglected. Soldiers and military service are glamorized. We're going to build up our great military. We're going to strengthen our borders. We're going to do things that haven't been done for our country for many, many 
decades. It's going to change. Number five, rampant sexism. I'll admit it. Whoa. I did try and fuck her. She was married. <laughs> huge news there. I moved in her like a bitch. I couldn't get there, and she was married. And all of a sudden, I see her. She's now got the big phony tits and everything. I've got to use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. I say let us put man and a woman together to find out which one is smarter. <laughs> Some say men, but I say no. The governments of fascist nations tend to be almost exclusively male-dominated. Under fascist regimes, traditional gender roles are made more rigid. Divorce, abortion, and homosexuality are suppressed, and the state is represented as the ultimate guardian of the family institution. That's right, the woman is smarter. That's right, the woman is smarter. That's right, the woman is smarter. That's right. That's right. Number six, controlled mass media. Well, I got nothing against the press. They wouldn't print it if it wasn't true. As you know, I have a running war with the media. They are among the most dishonest human beings on earth. Sometimes the media is directly controlled by the government, but in other cases the media is indirectly controlled by government regulation or sympathetic media spokespeople and executives. Censorship. A reminder that the president's top aide just told the New York Times that the press should keep its mouth shut. <laughs> no. Especially in wartime, is very common. Number seven, obsession with national security. We will reinforce old alliances and form new ones and unite the civilized world against radical Islamic terrorism, which we will eradicate completely from the face of the earth. Fear is used as a motivational tool by the government over the masses. Number eight, religion and government are intertwined. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Governments in fascist nations tend to use the most common religion in the nation as a tool to manipulate public opinion. Religious rhetoric and terminology is common from government leaders, even when the major tenets of the religion are diametrically opposed to the government's policies or actions. Number nine, corporate powers protected. We are going to be cutting taxes massively. When somebody wants to put up a factory, it's going to be expedited. We think we can cut regulations by 75%, maybe more. The industrial and business aristocracy of a fascist nation often are the ones who put the government leaders into power, creating a mutually beneficial business-slash-government relationship and power elite. Number 10. Labor power is suppressed. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Taxes too high, wages too high. We're not going to be able to compete against the world. I hate to say it, but we have to leave it the way it is. People have to go out, they have to work really hard, and they have to get into that upper stratum. Our wages are too high. Everything's too high. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. 
Because the organizing power of labor is the only real threat to a fascist government, labor unions are either eliminated entirely or are severely suppressed. Trump isn't just tweeting that unions aren't doing a good job. He actually, Leo, is putting his money where his mouth is. Today, he picked Andrew Puzder for labor secretary. That is the CEO of the company that owns Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. He is a vocal critic of minimum wage increases. On this issue, he said businesses create jobs, labor unions do not. To the contrary, labor unions often discourage businesses from creating jobs, particularly entry-level ones, by increasing the cost of labor without increasing its value. Is he the right pick for labor secretary? No, no absolutely not, and he's completely wrong. Number 11, disdain for intellectuals and the arts. The day the music died. As President-elect Donald Trump prepares to take the oath of office, his transition team has reportedly been considering massive budget cuts to significantly reduce federal spending. According to our math, the budgets of each agency accounted for less than four one-thousandths of a percent of federal spending in fiscal year 2016. But if the team did aim to cut $10.5 trillion in 10 years, or a little over $1 trillion per year, there wouldn't be much left. As a writer for The New Yorker pointed out, that would account for about all annual federal discretionary spending. Fascist nations tend to promote and tolerate open hostility to higher education and academia. I love the poorly educated. It's not uncommon for professors and other academics to be censored or even arrested. Free expression in the arts and letters is openly attacked. The president-elect up early on Twitter. <laughs> he sure is going to war with Hollywood's most celebrated actress. He went on a Twitter Firestorm here. It starts Meryl Streep, one of the most overrated actresses in Hollywood, doesn't know me, but attacked last night at the Golden Globes. She is a Hillary flunky who lost big. Number 12, obsession with crime and punishment. Under fascist regimes, the police are given almost limitless power to enforce laws. We have to bring back law and order. Now, whether or not in a place like Chicago, you do stop and frisk, which worked very well. Mayor Giuliani is here, but you take the gun away from criminals that shouldn't be having it. The people are often willing to overlook police abuses and even forego civil liberties in the name of patriotism. There's often a national police force with virtually unlimited power in fascist nations. The president tweeted, if Chicago doesn't fix the horrible carnage going on, 228 shootings in 2017 with 42 killings, up 24% from 2016, I will send in the feds. Number 13 rampant cronyism and corruption. CBS News estimates seven of Mr. Trump's picks are worth the combined $11.5 billion. Betsy DeVos, nominated for Secretary of Education, comes from a family worth more than $5 billion. Linda McMahon, picked for Small Business Administrator, has family wealth worth $1.2 billion. And Vincent Viola, Mr. Trump's choice for Army Secretary, is worth $1.77 billion. I guess they have a few poor millionaires on it, but mostly it's billionaires. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. And if I had a million dollars... Fascist regimes almost always are governed by groups of friends and associates who appoint each other to government positions and use governmental power and authority to protect their friends from accountability. 
it's not uncommon in fascist regimes for national resources and even treasures to be appropriated or even outright stolen by government leaders. And you don't appoint the cabinet of billionaires to be taken on the establishment. Steve Mnuchin, Mr. Trump's treasury pick, has been estimated to be worth as much as $655 million. He and Commerce Secretary nominee Wilbur Ross, worth $2.5 billion, recently said they were attuned to the plight of working Americans. If I had a But not by Trump administration or cabinet standards. Number 14, fraudulent elections. So why not definitively say that he will investigate if he believes in the administration's right. position is that there was massive voter fraud? Well, first of all, the comment that he made was he said three to five million people you know, cost, could have voted illegally. Sometimes elections in fascist nations are a complete sham. Other times, elections are manipulated by smear campaigns against or even assassination of opposition candidates. Crooked Hillary, crooked Hillary, fuck. She's been crooked from the beginning, and to think that she has a shot at being our president, crooked Hillary Clinton, we can't let it happen. Use of legislation to control voting numbers or political district boundaries and manipulation of the media. Fascist nations also typically use their judiciaries to manipulate or control elections. I'm sick and tired of hearing things from uptight, short-sighted, narrow-minded hypocrites. All I want is the truth. Just give me some truth I've had enough of reading things By neurotic, psychotic, big-headed politicians All I want is the truth Just give me some truth that's it, the 14 definitive characteristics of fascism. As written by Lawrence Britt, published in 2003, and given the what's news treatment by me. I'm Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network, telling you we are living in seriously dangerous times. It's up to us to resist every day. Fight fascism. And with that, we've reached the end of another hour. Uh, take those 14 characteristics of fascism and keep them in mind as we navigate the political waters of the coming years. All right, I'm done. I'll see you tomorrow, either in person, if there's an arrest, or if not, for another jaunt through the archives of The Nicole Sandler Show. Have a great night, everyone. See you tomorrow. <laughs>